0: Welcome to the Under Eight Podcast, a three times per week college basketball show brought to you in under eight minutes of the time of recording. It is Thursday, February 1st, 10:47 p.m. My name is Josh Molnix. On today's pod, Nebraska takes down number six, Wisconsin. And Caitlin Clark, inches closer to scoring history. It's all right now on the Under Eight Podcast. Nebraska not necessarily scaring anybody away from Pinnacle Bank Arena, Josh. But Fred Hoiberg's squad has now beaten Purdue, Northwestern, Michigan State, and you add number six Wisconsin to the list of teams that have fallen in Lincoln, eighty to seventy-two in overtime. At one point, Nebraska was down by nineteen in this game. They were down by sixteen at halftime. Come all the way back, thanks in large part to twenty-two from CJ Wilshire. Uh, 20 from Rink Mass, who hit a couple of the biggest shots of the entire game. 17 from Bryce Williams. That was kind of the cog of the offense for Nebraska tonight, and they come all the way back to beat a top-10 team in the country.
1: They needed everybody, ultimately, to make this happen. The comeback itself was more about the bench than anything else, though, and specifically C.J. Wilcher. CJ Wilcher might be the most electric bench scorer in the country. Not necessarily the best, although he's up there with the season he's having. But there are games like this one, and it's not the first time it's happened, where you watch him and he just does not miss for five to ten minutes at a time. It is absolutely incredible how hot he can get. And they needed somebody to kickstart this thing because, well, Kesei Tobinaga has the honor of having this court named after him. Not a good day from him. You mentioned Rink Mast. Eventually, he really came up with some big plays and hit a couple big shots. He was not having his best game for a while, and everybody else really chipped in. All of the guys who saw the floor contributed. Fred Hoiberg was kind of mixing and matching offense and defense because he was trying to figure out how to get the best five guys on the floor because some of his key guys weren't having great days, and his bench was playing really well, and ultimately... Wisconsin was one hundred and twenty and O while leading by fifteen plus at halftime since two thousand. and Now they are one hundred and twenty and one.
0: Yeah, sixteen turnovers for Wisconsin. Ten of mm-hmm. them came after halftime. I, I, they're one of those teams where you go down the roster and you, and the answer to the question "Who do you go to late?" seems to be there. Whether it's AJ Store, Chucky Hepburn. But on this Max particular Klusman. night, yeah. But like that's you don't hand the guy, that guy the ball and say go get me a basket. You run him off a screen, so you sure. have to run a play that has to be successful. Um, on this particular, you know, Max Clusman had, had a, like an eight point run that he and CJ Wilcher went back and forth. But ultimately, apart from the basket at the end of overtime, at the end of the regulation, it felt like Wisconsin didn't get the bucket. That they needed, whether it was to take the lead back or an overtime to keep it from kind of spiraling out of control. The la- they played overtime in this building last year, and the overtime went in a very similar manner to the way that it did tonight, where Nebraska just kind of pulls away in the overtime. They end up winning by eight, outscoring them 13 to five in the extra period.
1: That's the other part of this that's drawing is not only do you not expect Wisconsin to blow 19 point lead, 16 point halftime leads. And not only do you expect them to not throw the ball away the way they did in the second half, as you mentioned, but there was the stretch with Kuzma where they got the lead, not only got the lead back, but had order restored. And it was, I think it got up to eight. It was definitely at least at six. And it looked like they were going to find a way to survive. And then immediately he disappears again and stops making shots and nobody else gets particularly good looks. Their offense wasn't good. They turned the ball over some more and all of a sudden here comes Nebraska again. And they did not have an answer for kind of the second surge. So that that's the other important part of this story is that it wasn't just one massive run by Nebraska that, continued without any kind of response from Wisconsin. Nebraska got the game back to where it was tied. Wisconsin rallied to go take a lead again. Nebraska fought back to force overtime, took control in overtime. And the other thing I just left thinking about is we had two overtime games here in you know 24 or so hours in the Big Ten. We're talking about a very jumbled top of the conference now think about how different this would feel if those games had gone the opposite direction and Purdue picked up another loss. And Wisconsin survived this one.
0: Mm. Now I would be, I mean, I'm not sure. Like I would be surprised at that. I mean, I guess it's head to head at this point, but like, these are the type of, if you're trying to out race Purdue to a big Ten title, you can't give up 19 point in a second half leaves. You just nope. can't. Nope. Um, 80-72, Nebraska over Wisconsin. They're now um, six and five in Big Ten play, and and they have the wins. And we're very much talking uh, NCAA tournament at this point for Fred Hoyberg, Fred Hoiberg's team. Couple a couple of a, a couple of number twos that we need to get to on the women's side of things. Let's do the first one real quick. Caitlin Clark moves into second. On the all-time scoring list with a 35-10 and six piece in a 110-74 win, passes Jackie Styles, passes Kelsey Mitchell, Big Ten all-time leader, and we're knocking on the door of Kelsey Plum.
1: Yeah, we're almost to 100, 103 points away. There was nothing surprising. You came into this game expecting her to finish in second. That's exactly what happened. You expected Iowa to win. That's exactly what happened. I did think this was interesting from the Kelsey Mitchell standpoint, just because it is easy to forget that until this game, Caitlin Clark was not the big 10 all time leader in points scored on the women's side Mm -hmm. as remarkable as her career has been that of the people she is still trying to pass. One of them was a big 10 player in the former Ohio state Buckeye. And so now she has that part of it too. That's the other significance here. Obviously, Every game that she scores more than 15, 20 points, we're just increasing the likelihood that this is ultimately going to happen. It seems like almost a question of if not when. And minus 2,500 that this happens, minus 10,000 yeah. that this happens. <laughs> yeah. And now it's getting even more likely that it's going to be sooner in the season as she continues to, you know, do Caitlin Clark things and score 30 plus points a game.
0: There you go. The other number two, number two, Kansas State. 63 Oklahoma, 66 the Sooners on the women's side, rolling in big 12 play and. They are continuing with a three point win at home over Kansas state.
1: Yeah. Half game back in the wind column right there in the loss column with that Kansas state team winners of five straight shout out to the Sooners. They are really, really playing some good basketball right now on the Kansas state side. We mentioned this a while back, I believe. Still without Aoka Lee, that's a big Mm -hmm. deal. Hasn't been a big deal in terms of the the other teams they played, but you get the team right behind you in the conference standings on their home court. All of a sudden, not having your All American caliber player is a pretty big deal. And, you know, just from a statistical standpoint, Oklahoma won the turnover battle, fast break points, points in the paint, some of those little things that. Uh, can be the difference in a game like this. Very, very good performance from the Sooners. Very big win for them, and the Big 12 just got a little bit more interesting.
0: Last night, Wednesday, January 31st, in Lexington, in overtime, Florida, 94, number 10, Kentucky, 91. A shorthanded Kentucky team, no G.J. Wagner, no Justin Edwards, but... Uh, still an impressive win for the Gators. Now five and three in conference. Might be six and three actually. No, no, five and three in conference. Fifteen and six, and uh, this is a big win for uh, for Florida.
1: We've been talking about this consistently. They can be competitive with really good teams. They proved it all season. They hadn't beaten any of them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And now, with what you are getting from Todd Golden's team with this win and the way they're playing is that finally they have their signature win and they are actually showing up every game and beating some of the teams they're supposed to in the sec. And so all of a sudden this is looking much, much, much better. We knew they were capable of the first and we knew they were capable of the second. They just hadn't actually done either of them over the past couple years and it seems like it's all kind of coming together. I mean, my goodness, Walter Clayton. They they just simply shot the ball better from everywhere on the court except for two-point range. Three-point line, free-throw line is really where they won this game. Walter Clayton, as I said, he's 7-13 from three. He hits probably the two most important shots in the game. And, yeah, am I concerned about Kentucky still? No. To me, this is more about Florida having a really good performance and taking advantage of an opportunity with the the absences for Kentucky and the way that that changes the roles for Kentucky's players as well. Because when everybody is available, they have this really nice system and everybody knows exactly what's expected. You start mm-hmm. mix, mix, messing with that a little bit and throwing Reed Shepard into the starting lineup and things like that. It gets a little bit more complicated. They aren't as used to that. They need to get healthy because I think what we're learning here is that There's Kentucky ceiling when healthy and there's Kentucky ceiling when not 100% healthy. And those are two very different things.
0: Yeah. I'm also feeling very vindicated in not picking Kentucky to win this conference five and three. Now, you know, they've just lost close games. And well, they got, they got smoked by South Carolina, but they have lost a couple of overtime games. Um, They've lost three of their last six. Like you said, they haven't been super healthy. It's fine. It's not a huge deal, but, um it's little stretches like this that keep you from winning a conference even if you were talented enough to win it uh florida that's their first quad one win they are undefeated in quad two three and four they were still looking all six of their losses had come in quad one so getting a win there is is an important step for todd golden squad if they're if they fancy playing uh in the ncaa tournament
1: yeah now you're talking about a team that's beating the teams they're supposed to and that is proving they can play with and beat the best teams on their schedule. That's a very, very good formula. By the way, do you know who's actually winning the SEC right now?
0: Is it South Carolina?
1: No, they're one game back. It's Alabama. There you go. That is correct. Well, just I mean... We're both skeptical of this Alabama team. It's going to all even itself out in the end once we finish the conference schedule, at least to a certain extent. But very quietly, with all this talk about Kentucky, all this talk about Tennessee, all the love South Carolina is getting, they're all chasing Nate Oates' team once again.
0: And a team that, you know, the Ohio State way back in November is becoming a little bit of a head-scratcher, but that's only because... Chris Holtman and the Buckeyes apparently have no idea how to, how to win after we get through Christmas. Other than that, their, their losses are Clemson, Purdue, Creighton, Arizona, and Tennessee. So, um, NATO squad, uh, you know, they don't have the record that completely jumps off the page, especially, you know, after that Tennessee game, they're 12 and six through 18 games. They're now 15 and six. And like you said, seven and one in sec play, they get Mississippi State at home, Auburn on the road. So again, they'll get Auburn again for the second time in three weeks, two and a half. Um, so we'll see how the next couple games goes. But still, if you told me a month ago that Nato's team would be alone atop top the Big, a top excuse me the SEC at this point, I would, would be a little bit surprised.
1: Yeah, it's one of those strange things that they have to have this conversation again how get into the NCAA tournament we shall see
0: indeed indeed uh saturday there's there's lots of really awesome games on saturday Uh, houston is at kansas that's a four versus eight matchup um duke is at north carolina that's a seven versus three matchup iowa state number 12 at number 18 baylor number five tennessee at number 10 kentucky And then on Sunday, you get a Purdue team that is playing, granted, a team that just lost to Nebraska, but Purdue heading on the road to Wisconsin. So an absolutely jam-packed schedule over the weekend. Josh, anything you want to get to either ahead the next couple days or, or what has transpired the last 48 hours or so?
1: One more thing I want to say. I have no interest in talking about foul disparity. What I would like to say about Northwestern and Purdue going to overtime again, and and you texted this, and it's absolutely true. This Northwestern team, and it's why I love them so much, and really think that they can make the Sweet 16. When everybody shows up, they had five guys in double figures in this game. When Boo Booy gets help, they their ceiling is that they can go compete and beat anybody in the country. I, if they end up as a six, seven, eight, nine seed somewhere in their 10 seed, and they've got to play a one, two, three seed in that second round, I want no part of them if I'm somebody outside the Big Ten who hasn't seen them before. Now, yeah. the guys have to show up. Ty Berry's got to be really, really good, like he was in this game and ultimately still wasn't enough to beat Purdue because, you know, Lance Jones had maybe the best game of his Purdue career and Braden Smith had 16 assists. <laughs> but and you know, Zach Edy had 30 and 15 or whatever it was. But that is something to that was my takeaway here. I have no interest in in talking about refereeing.
0: He's a seven-four guy with good, like he's not supposed to be easy to guard. Right. Like, that's
1: that's part of this. And is, and
0: I promise you that there have been more fouls not called on Zach Eady's shots this year than fouls called on Zach Eady's shots this year. I promise you. Every foul he every foul that gets called on somebody guarding him, he's gotten hacked twice already yep. and that hasn't been called. So yeah, I mean we can do this as much as we want to, but like it's not supposed to be easy to guard the set because you know who right. used to be easy to guard? Zach Eady, when he was younger. Like he's just he's just unstoppable. And like I like I don't understand the inability to be like okay with. A team in Northwestern that like I don't know, is anybody running home to tell people about Northwestern's defense? No, no, nobody's doing Partic- that,
1: particularly on the interior, too. It's now like right the strength of their team,
0: right? So, like that team is supposed to they they are they're 256 in effective defensive field goal percentage, and they are sub 170 in two-point field goal percentage defense. So, like I'm not totally sure why. Like, I I don't I, like I don't know what you want me to do. I I do not know what you want me to do. And by the way, they're three hundred twenty seventh in free throw rate uh, in free throw rate. So they foul too. Now, granted, the forty six last night probably doesn't help, but they didn't go from like one twelfth to three hundred twenty seventh because of one game. So miss me with all of it. Um, I like maybe maybe
1: win the games and what you shoot fifty percent from the three point line. Maybe. I, mean, they, I mean, they had their opportunities. That, that's the other thing I was going to say if we ended up talking about this game. Right. You can't give Purdue two and three lives here. You were winning. You had a shot to win. And eventually, Zach Eadie was too much in overtime. That's that's where the focus should be, is that they still did enough to win this game and just didn't make the plays they needed to. Ultimately, Purdue did. Yeah, it's. we'll just end it there.
0: Like next time we're gonna get mad that like Steph Curry is good at shooting three pointers. Like whatever. Um, that's gonna do it. February 1st, Thursday, February 1st. It oh five 1 05 p.m. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your shows. Follow the Under 8 Pod on Twitter, subscribe on YouTube. Thank you so much for being here. We will be back on Sunday to talk about a jam-packed weekend of college hoops. Thank you so much for being here. We will see you next time.